I'm very glad to be with you today. <coughs> My name is Father Timothy. I serve a very humble church in uh, Miami called St. John the Baptist, the forerunner and the baptizer. And uh, we're going to talk about some work ethics. And uh, I would like for you to get your holy mobiles, since we don't carry we don't carry any we don't carry any books anymore. Let's read together from the epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Chapter 6. And we're going to read from verse 5. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that you your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Another passage that we need to read, it's in Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And we're going to read from verse 6. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which, we re that which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought 
to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. The grace of God the Father be with us all. Amen. Work. You know, since I started thinking about work, I found out that there is in the Holy Scripture a theology of work. But unfortunately, our theology of work, we get from bumper stickers. You would be driving, and you would see a bumper sticker early in the morning that would say, I'd rather be fishing, being in Florida. Or if you're from the north, I'd rather be skiing. Or I'd rather be watching TV, or what have you. One bumper sticker that got my attention, it read like this. Work fascinates me, and I do not mind watching it all day. <laughs> Another one, hard work might kill me, but why take a chance? <laughs> and, and the one that we always hear, it's an old one. I owe, I owe. Huh? Off to work, I go. <laughs> and then if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you will hear that Solomon, the wisest man who've ever lived on the face of the earth, would depict work as what? As an evil necessity. That you have to work to fund your pleasure. Or you have to work to pay your bills. Or you have to work to start a family. Or you have to work because everybody else is doing it. 
it is very difficult, and I, 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 I can take a survey now, and I ask you, how do you, do you view work as an Orthodox Christian? I guarantee you that none of us would say it is a Christian duty. Especially that we live in a, in a very crumbling culture. The culture around us is crumbling very fast. Uh, I'm sure you're more in tune to that more than I am. And then when we view work, we will have two extremes. We have those who are workaholics or those who are very lazy and they don't want to work. Do you have those who really, really hate Mondays? And then they thank God for Fridays. <laughs> you have those who look at work as a drudgery, or you have those who work, look at work as an to achieve their ego, and that's how they identify themselves, or to achieve their ambition, or to fund, as I told you, to fund, to fund their luxurious living, or you have those who differentiate work between secular work and sacred work. And by the way, there is not such a thing. This is a very Jewish way of looking. In the Talmud, the, the, the commentary on the, on the Torah that is used by the, the Jews, the scribes, you know, the scribes who were, were just dedicated to study the scriptures. And they were supported by the people to do that. And they looked at themselves as superior to others because God had chosen them to do a sacred work, not like the others who are on the streets. Far be it from the way that God looks at work. It's a Christian duty. It is a Christian duty. And in, in, the, in, in the next four lectures, so far it was just an introduction, and probably this lecture will be an introduction. And if you get bored, just turn off the light, right? Or walk out, just feel free to do whatever. So we need to know how to stand tall in a crumbling culture. How to stand tall in a crumbling culture. Let me share with you some uh, statistics that I got very recent. There are now 1.1 billion Facebook users. 74% of adult users have social media account. 74 of adult users have social media account. And of course, Facebook can be harmless. 
and it can be used for the glory of God. But what's Facebook is all about? Start with a profile, and you take very extra, extra ordinary care of how you profile yourself. And then you're sending and receiving continuously to the point that we have developed this new addiction. I tell my, my sons, I tell them, it's like you're sitting at home, every five minutes you stand up, you go and open the door to check if there is anyone out there knocking on the door. And of course, if you do this, you will be classified under mental disorder. <laughs> but aren't we doing this continuously? And very simple rule, what you see, you think about and what you see and think about, you pursue. Therefore, the Lord told us in Matthew chapter 6, if your eyes stumbles you, cut it off. Which means, I, don't, I do not need to see this. So in Philippians chapter 4, St. Paul told us, what should we be sending or receiving? Or what should we be doing with our time? He said this in Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 8. He gave us eight filters. Eight filters before you send or receive. Finally, brethren, whatever things are, can you, say it with them? can you say them with me, please? True. Whatever things are, whatever things are, whatever things are, whatever things are, whatever things are of, if there is any, if there is anything, what should we do on those things? Meditate on these things. This will actually cut off 90 9.9% of what we're sending or receiving on a daily basis. The Bible said, love not the world, nor the things that is in the world. Of course, he's not talking about Niagara Falls. You can love Niagara Falls. You can love nature. You can love the creation of God. But what is he talking about? Loving the world in unholy way. You know, he said this as it was in the days of Noah, so will be the days of the Son of Man. As the days, he said, remember Lot. Remember Lot. What was so dominant about Lot's environment? Homo, sexuality, Sodom and Gomorrah. In uh, North Carolina, is anybody here from North Carolina? Thank God. 
we have? We have? Okay. Is she sleeping? Or just a, okay. Oh, you are? South. Good, good. It's, it's, a very, it's a very conservative state. Don't you agree with me? Very conservative. You know, we hear the governor say, thank God, every five minutes in a very southern accent whenever they have a hurricane that passes by without hitting North Carolina. So thanks, God we, thank, thanks be to God we have been preserved. You've never heard this from in Miami, of course. This will be a blasphemy to say the name of God. But now they have in schools a gender unicorn which would, they would never refer to any boy or any girl in a way that they would identify the boy with males and would identify the girl with female. Do you know that if you have an elementary school student beginning in 2018, you will be given a handbook that would say parental involvement. That's in elementary kids. We're talking about kindergarten, preschoolers. Parental involvement by students' permission. <laughs> and I wonder, can they do this with vaccinations? You know why? Because if the kid does not like his gender, he does not need to check with his parents. And it's a very crumbling culture, very crumbling. You know, God had assigned genders. It's an assignment. He is the boss. He had assigned your gender. He created them male and female. I have a lot of reports. Since I, I, this topic, work, have really stirred my heart in an angry way. Not because it, it, it is good, in a way that it is good. But because studying this cr uh, crumbling culture is a very scary thing. In the handbook, students can choose their bathroom and it's changing clothes facilities. In Facebook, there are 58 gender options. 58. See, once, once you start messing with the principles of God, what would happen? There is no ending. Once we have become tolerant toward homosexuality, now it is a given, right? Transgender is, it's next. And then we don't know in two months who's going to be in office. And we don't know if polygamy will be the next step. There is no, there is no stopping. Once you mess with the grandiose philosophy of God, there is no end. 
there is no end to depravity. They found a, a kid who does not understand the difference between male and female, and he said, Mom, I want to be identified, classified as a tractor. <laughs> not even a race car, tractor. This is what he wants to be classified as. I was visiting a family, and they, they were watching a black and white movie. And that made me smile. I, I, I grew up in, a, in Egypt, where I, the only TV we had was black and white. Only two channels, very small, small TV. By the way, there were no remote controls, remember? You have to go out, yeah? And there was a small TV that can be carried out, carried by my mother, God bless her soul, so she can hide it from us on the top of somewhere, so we will not watch it as we please. And we're only allowed to watch it on Friday, 2.45 to 4 p.m. You know why? Because that's a soccer game. And we were not allowed to watch the commercials. Why? Because they were advertising Pepsis. And Pepsi is not good for you because it has sugar. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I visited this family. And they were watching a black and white movie. And um, they went to, to brew a cup of tea for me. <clears throat> and I, I, I asked the, one of the kids who were watching, he said, this movie called A Man Called Peter. It's a 1954 movie. And women in this, in this movie were shooting bows, and they were, you know how they were dressed? In full dresses. Full dresses. I could not believe it. It was a, as if we're living in a completely different planet. This was 1959, not too, not too far to ago, at least to me. <laughs> Driving here to the retreat center this morning, the car in front of me just left. It was driving in front of me from Miami all the way to exit 212. The bumper sticker says, God, then minus sign, America. And then it, it, got, it got my attention. Then I looked very closely. And I found there is a word underneath. The word is less. And the B is omitted. What is the message? God less America. The, the, the funny thing is, next to that bumper sticker, there is a fish sign. It's a contradiction. You know that we as Christians also have some, what, contradictory lifestyles. If there is such a word. 
let's see how can we live, how can we stand tall in a crumbling culture. In the book of Deuteronomy, And we're going to look at five principles, and we're going to end with that. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And we're going to read from verse 30. To verse 40, if you're taking notes. And here, this is known in the scripture as the Song of Solomon, uh, Song of Moses, I'm sorry. So Moses is dying, and God is about to bury him in Mount Nebo, and he would officiate his funeral, that's his man. And he would hide his body so the Jews will not worship him. And then he told them, listen, I'm dying, but you are going to go and occupy a land that is very new to you. The man that drips with milk and honey. The country where your dreams will come true. And there is no limits to your dreams. That can bring a non-American to the White House. How can, and then, and he told them, in order for you to stand tall in a crumbling culture, this is what you need to do. And it's called the Song of Moses. And this should be our song. What did he say? How could one chase a thousand? Can I make a difference? Absolutely. How can one chase a thousand? And two, Put 10,000 to flight unless the rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them. For their rock is not like our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their graves are graves of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of cobras. Is this not laid up in store with me, sealed up among, among my treasures? Verse 35, vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time for the day of their calamity is at hand and the things to come hasten upon them. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining bond or free. He will say, where are their gods? With a small g. The rock in which they sought refuge. Who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering. 
let them rise and help you and be your refuge. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God, capital G, besides me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. The last verse of this beautiful song. For I raise my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever. Five principles that we, me and you, need to remind ourselves with from the mouth of Moses, the, the Arsh prophet, to stand at all in a crumbling culture around us. Principle number one. You can see it in verse 32 to verse 33. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their graves are graves of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their vine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of cobras. Principle number one, my beloved, we must reject a sinful culture. We must reject a sinful culture. And he said it very clear. Their vine is of the vine of Sodom. Their, their wine is the poison of serpent. We must reject a sinful culture. We cannot afford not to. We must reject a sinful culture. It is poisonous. It is poisonous. Principle number two. It's in verse 31. For their rock is not like our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Principle number two, we need to remember who we are. We're not Egyptians, we're not Americans. We are Christians. Unfortunately, we mix the cultures together. And unfortunately, we get the, the worst from each. And we have this very nice combination with no identity. We need to remember who we are. Moses told them, for the rock is not like our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Now I have a a young man who just came from Egypt. And then God blessed him with a very nice job. And he's not like the others. He does not get involved in office politics. He does not gossip. He speaks very highly of, her, of his cruel manager. He willingly obey him. A very smart man. Then the CEO of the company called him to his office one day. This is the top. And he's just a new employee. You know what the CEO asked him? He said, why are you doing that? He told him, doing what? What is the reason you behave differently than any other. 
he got his holy mobile and said, Sir, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Employee, obey your employer. Bond servants, obey your masters. That's what I'm doing it. As a matter of fact, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for my boss, who's watching me all the time. Do you know that this CEO was in church next morning? A Coptic church. Church with a heavy accent, with a very long hymns. Why? Because this is different. We have to remember who we are. And we have to reject a very sinful culture. How many principles? Huh? See? See? See, you have no right to be sleepy. <laughs> really, you don't have... How many hours you got of sleep last night? Four? If you get one, you're better than me. So you don't have... So if, if, if I... I, I catch you being sleepy, it's not going to be good. No, <laughs> just, because I am very tempted now to hit the bed. And the schedule has changed, so I have to give two lectures back to back with a group picture in the middle, right? Sir, that's all? Thank you. Okay. So how many principles we get from the song of? From Deuteronomy chapter? Uh, uh, huh? 32. How many principles we agreed that we're going to get? Five. How many we covered? What's the first one? We must reject a sinful call. What's the second one? We, we have to remember who we are. The third one in verse 35. Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. We need to realize what is coming. This culture is crumbling. It has to. It has. If we have time, during the next three lectures, I am going to read to you some reports from people who are not Christians, who are saying the same. Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time. That's the only way for this culture to end. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. We need to realize what is coming. Principle number four. Sorry? Principle number three, realize what is coming. The principle number four, it's in verse 36. For the Lord will judge his people, that's us, and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining bond or free. 
This is the one that we need to contemplate in, in these three days that we're here. We need to repent from our sins. Repent. When I first came from Egypt, I, I was teaching a class in St. Mark, Houston. Kids. I'm not sure if Paul was one of them. <laughs> okay. And then I kept talking about a topic. And then Abuna came after the liturgy, and he was giving the bread out to the kids. That was the custom. And then he asked them, here, I have been talking for at least one hour, right? And then he asked the kids, so what did you learn today? And then the kid, almost half of the class said, oh, uncle was, teach, was teaching us about ripping your pants. <laughs> ripping your pants. You have to understand, Abuna looked at me and in a way that we, we really need to talk. <laughs> and, and then he said, what was the topic about? I said, he said it's about repentance. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he says, so how are you going to solve this now? <laughs> so I told them, listen, yes, repentance about, is about ripping your pants because you are going this way, right? And you are going the wrong way, and all of a sudden you realize that you are going the wrong way. What you need to do is you make a very, very sharp U-turn that will make you rip your pants. <laughs> clever, right? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's biblical clever. No. It took them 25 years to realize that. Repentance, there is no other way. Repentance. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining bond or free. You know the hardest thing about funerals? You know, if anyone gets sick, we're surrounded by what? A lot of people, right? If we, have, uh, if we get into trouble, whatever trouble is, we're surrounded by people, right? clergy and congregation. We're not alone, right? This is my own feelings. Whenever I, I, I attend a funeral, I always ponder the fact that this man or this lady or this child or this old man, he's alone. We've been with him all this time, but all of a sudden he's what now? Alone, in front of a judge. Alone, he cannot say, help me, or come talk with me, or give me, say a word for me, alone. It's, it's, it's a very, not fearful, but it is startling, right? At least now, you have some camaraderie. But imagine being alone, because it is coming, for the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining bond or free. It's one thing to hate sin and to struggle against it. And another thing is to accept it and you say, this is the way 
I am going to live the rest of my life. We need to repent from our sins. Lost the principle. Are you happy? This is the last. Usually people, when they hear this is the last thing, or we conclude, they clap because we are done. <laughs> the fifth principle is in the verse 39. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and make alive, I wound and heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. We have to rely upon the Lord. We have to rely upon the Lord. Our rock is not like the rock. Our God with a capital G is not like their gods with a small g. Here it is. It's the only way. There is no other, there is no politically correct way about it. Let's, re let's review the five principles again. And let me quiz you of the biblical references that we used. And then we're out of here. Okay? Okay. What's the first passage that we've read? Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 5 to verse 9. And actually this will be the theme of the whole talk because this will govern the relationship between employer and employees. And then what we've read after that, Second Thessalonians chapter 3 from verse 6 to verse 15. And we talked about the incentives of work as a Christian duty, not as a way to fund your pleasure or to achieve your ego, or what have you. And then we talked about what? Deuteronomy, huh? chapter 32, from verse 30 to verse 40. And we took five principles out of this passage. What, what is it is called in scripture? The song of Moses. And what are the five principles that we got from these 10 verses? Number one, huh? We must reject the culture. Number two, we, ha we have to remember who we are. Number three, realize what is coming. And number four, we, we must repent, not ripping your pants. Huh? And number five, number five, we have to rely on God. There is no other God besides him. To God be the glory forever. Amen.